don't understand the point of this. Because we have a responsibility. Oh, wait, no, it's going, it's going. Uh, yeah, hi. hi, welcome, I mean, welcome to Cast and Wax. My name is Frank Allen, and um, with me here is my good friend, Mr. Rory Sindrin. Yes, hello, my name is Rory Sindrin. Um, thank you for listening, if you're listening, presumably. Yeah, uh, we're presuming that people are listening. Um, <coughs> pardon me. <coughs> I'm a little hoarse. I have a, have a bit of a cold, as I, I'm sure we all do. Yes, I mean, you know, you don't have to tell people why we have a cold, we know. Well, no, we don't know. We don't know that they know. I mean, we know, okay, if you're out there and you currently have a cold, you probably already know. But, but who else would be listening? That's what I'm trying to say. If you're, if you're out, this could be for historical purposes. You know, people looking back on what has become of the world and why and things like that. And, and those people might not know why we have colds. Um, I mean, I don't mean why colds exist. I can't tell you the answer to that. Well, it has to do with, you know, viruses. And right, I know, I, I know about viruses. I mean, well, okay, let's go back to the beginning. My name's Frank Allen. This is Rory Sinjin. Hello, yes. Uh, we are recording this episode of Cast and Wax. Um, because, well, I mean, ba- uh, you know, basically, there's bad news and there's... Well, I mean, really, there's just bad news. There's a lot There's a, There's a. a lot of bad news. Yeah, I was going to say, what, what is the good news? Good, I mean, the good news is Rory and I are alive. Well, that sort of gives it away, I suppose. Well, I mean, okay. Oh, God. Okay, um... I feel like we have a responsibility to do this. Um, so here's what's been happening in the world. Uh, uh, last time, uh, Jordan got a car battery and he hooked up the computer and we recorded an episode and aliens had invaded. And that's, you know, a big thing. And uh, that's been happening for a while. And um, things are not going good for us for people understatement of the air well i mean yeah we're, things are going very poorly that's still pretty much an understatement uh, we're, we're screwed i mean okay fine we're screwed yes so like what i'm trying to say okay i'm trying to like walk you through it uh, again for historical purposes we decided we should record an episode of cast and wax i decided we should record an episode of cast and wax thank you um just to kind of keep people updated if there's anybody who can you know who can hear this uh and 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 also again so that people will know going forward why this is happening, why, uh, what has happened. Uh, you know, if, if, if hundreds of years from now people are trying to find out what, you know, went down, they might come across this podcast and get a little bit of, uh, you know, information. Um, you know, I wanted to say the good news. I mean, you joked about when I said bad news and good news. I wanted to say the good news is that... Um, some of the, the infrastructure of the world has been going back up, but it's not really good news because it's going up on the alien side. Yes, I was going to say, that's not good at all. No, I mean, no, it really isn't. Um, it's been a real hard struggle, you know. Uh, the, people keep getting taken by these aliens. Uh, people keep getting, uh, and then we don't see them again. You know, people keep, um, you know, we're fighting. You know, we're trying to fight them. Resistance uh, where where possible, but it's not entirely uh, effectively possible um that's sort of a bummer um but you know we we're, we're trying all different methods there was the uh, you know guns well that worked to some extent but they had bigger and better guns we, they, you know we tried um <clears throat> information campaigns that didn't really do very much uh we tried um 
getting Harry Wilson to rise up to protect Teeth, um, that didn't work very well. Well, it looked like it was going to. It's No, it's true. It, it, it didn't look like it will, because what happened was, on the last episode of the podcast, we, we had this thing, uh, Jordan found out that Harry Wilson had been hoarding toothpaste, and, uh, and he put out a thing saying, well, well, you know, Harry Wilson's got toothpaste. Um, uh, oddly enough, it turned out that the, uh, the aliens wanted the toothpaste. So they came for, for his toothpaste pretty quickly thereafter, and they took uh, all of it. And um, he, was, he was incensed. Again, putting it mildly, he was, he was furious. And he did actually go and, and start an uprising. And for a while it looked like his pure rage would defeat the aliens, his, his sheer force of will of wanting to brush his teeth so badly. No, that's true. I mean, it, really, it really seemed like it was going to be effective. Um, unfortunately, uh, they, they gave him back some toothpaste and he kind of calmed down and... Uh, that's the last I've seen of him. I don't know what happened to him after that. Yes, it's unfortunate. Um, then, of course, uh, the reason we have a cold. So the reason we have a cold is um, we all thought, well... <coughs> Are you all right? <coughs> yeah, sorry, I'm just, I just have a cold. Uh, we all thought, uh, well, aliens, maybe, maybe we could try the old uh, War of the Worlds thing and get, uh, get colds. And we all... Uh, you know, did our, we found somebody who had a cold, and we all kind of let him spit in our mouth. I mean, like basically, it was it became like a big thing of um, let's spread this cold as far and as wide as uh, as possible, and uh, we succeeded in that respect because um, pretty much everybody has a cold now on the planet. Uh, unfortunately, the aliens just have a cold too, so they're just like sniffling and coughing, and uh, they, they didn't kill them. Yes, that I mean that mo- that movie was only fiction. I, I could have told you. No, that. we all knew it was fiction, but like it, it seemed like it could. You never know if they're from another planet. They might not be, you know, as uh, uh, protected against the. You you know how it works. Unfortunately, it proved to be incorrect. You know, and see now we just all have colds, colds, yes, including uh, the aliens, as I said. Uh, so. It's kind of a, a very sniffly and uh, miserable world in that respect. Um, but like I said, they're, they're winning at this point. So they're starting to um, rebuild some of the infrastructure of the city. Uh, so that's why we're, you know, we're operating in kind of an underground situation. Um, like some sort of homeless people. Well, I mean, because technically we are currently homeless people. We are itinerant, you know, scavengers. I know. It, it's, it's, which is, you know... I never thought I would sink so low. Well, yeah, but what's the other option? Is to be, to be gotten by? I mean, like, look what happened to Jordan. Oh, right. Yes, um, we should probably tell them about that. Yeah. Um, so Jordan normally runs this podcast, but uh, uh, the aliens got him. So, uh, well, I mean, we should probably go into more detail than that, should we? No, I mean, I don't think we need to. I, th- I, I, Frank, I do think we should. Wh- why? What? What difference does it make? Everybody's being gotten by these aliens. Who cares exactly how? Is it? Are there, is somebody coming? I think they're just driving by. All right. Uh, no, what, I'm just saying. What's the difference? What? What? What difference does it make? Exactly how it happened? You know, everybody's being gotten. What matters is not being gotten. Not how gotten got got. Well, I disagree because how gotten got got, which is not a phrase, how gotten got got reveals that uh, which one needs to avoid from there on. <sighs> what? All right. Well, so basically what happened was we, we were all settling in uh, for the night, all of us who've been camping together, um, uh, Rory, myself, Jordan, his wife, Devin, 
escape and boo their two cats, which they've been hiding, so no one will eat them. Um, and, uh, and basically, we were all settling for the night, going to bed, and uh, Jordan and Devin decided they wanted to camp elsewhere, even though we had already set up a whole camp. Frank, that's not... I mean, you're leaving some things out. Well, I, no, that, but that is what, I mean, yes, I'm leaving, I mean, yeah, I'm leaving a lot of things out. The aliens invaded, and then we That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about specific to the night. Why were they trying to leave? Well, it, uh, it doesn't matter why they were trying well, to leave. They were trying, fine, then you, I'll just tell them. They were trying to leave because Frank was incredibly gassy that night. It's not my fault. Beans is one of the very few things that we've been able to find to eat because it's something in a can and it's something that is preserved. And when we eat beans, it's a you know there's a there was a whole fa- famous rhyme about tooting and fruiting and yes, but we've already eaten the beans. And only you have been delivering the stink bombs thereafter. Okay, you're right, but I would still posit that the moral of this story is not don't fart. The moral of this story is just sit in the fart smell and suck it up because some things are more important than being away from a bad smell. Like the fact that then they they got caught by aliens. You and I sat in the fart smell and we lived and they are, I mean, they, they, whatever happened to them, happened to them. Yes, I mean, fortunately I was already asleep by the time he started releasing these noxious odors. So I didn't realize what was happening. But uh, the following morning when we When we awoke and we went down to where uh, we assumed Jordan and company would be, we found their things, um, uh, but it seemed there had been a sign of a struggle, and um, they were, you know, missing. So we we can only presume the aliens took them the way that they have been doing. Right. Uh, So, again, moral, the moral is... That farts are not that big of a thing. Aliens are a big thing. But you do. You don't have to chase people away with their farts either. I do, that's not why I did. Look, first of all, I didn't choose to fart. Nobody chooses to fart. No, well, no, Frank, but one chooses the method with which one farts. And from, you know, my previous experience with you, I, again, I was asleep at the time, but my previous experiences, you, you, you tend to let them rip, you know? It, well, I... Because it's, you know, you feel the... You know, I don't need to explain myself to you. No, you're, no, that's not the point. You're right. You're not explaining yourself to me. You're explaining my, yourself to history. We're recording a podcast where you're, you're, no, you're that's telling not, everyone. That's not why I said let's record the podcast so I can explain my method of farting. Uh, you know, whatever. You feel a pressure. You want to release it. You go, and you give it a little push, and bam, it goes, explodes out, and it's over with quickly. Yes, is there a smell associated with the farting? Yes, there is a smell that comes, you know, out of the, you know, intestines, and uh, that, that means there's some healthy flora in my intestines. But my point is, you know, it dissipates. You know, we we live in a world where there is wind and also when you're around. And no, no, that's not no, not that kind of. I'm not talking about farts down. I'm talking about wind, like, just blowing the air around. And the point is, yeah, you know, fart comes out, and, oh, we can all smell it. And it blows away, and then you go to bed, and you're fine. You don't need to make a big scene. Jordan and Devin made a big scene. They And, you know, they... (sighs) Got killed is where you're going with this. You're saying it's their fault that they got killed because they didn't like the smell of your farts. No, not... No. They didn't have to like it. They just should have... Stayed quiet. Nice. Nice thing to say about friends of yours who've passed away. We don't know that they've passed away. Maybe they're, you know, maybe they're in like a labor camp or something. 
much better. Well, than being dead, yeah. I would actually say it is. So, you know, it's just... It's just so sad, you know? There's, there's so much that Jordan didn't get to do. You know, he, he, he never had children. He never, you know, made a mark on the world that was giant. Well, I mean, he did that whole morality machine thing. Everybody kind of hated him for that. Right, but you know, you know what I mean? Like a, like a positive one. The insect treaty was kind of positive. Well, it's controversial, so, you know. But I'm just saying that there's a lot of life he didn't get to have. He didn't get to do a tour of Europe. He's never been to Asia. He, you know, he's never... Small things, even. He, he's never, you know, read all of the works of Shakespeare. He only read the f- a few, and he never, he never saw all the Lethal Weapon movies. He only saw the first two, you know. All sorts of things he never got to do. I know, I know. It's it's really sad. Look, uh, the point is, that's what happened, and um, now here we are. Uh, you know, now that Jordan's gone, I'm, I'm taking uh, Cass in Wax over for myself so that we can get the message out. Is that what this is about? What? You're... You're taking over the pod... This is all about you becoming the host of the podcast? No, no. Like I said, it's to get the message out. The message that it's your podcast. No, 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 no. The message that your thoughts don't stink. No! Will you stop stop finishing my sentences? Then finish them faster. Because right now I get tired of waiting. Alright, I'm, 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 try, I'm trying to get the message out about what mankind is struggling through. And we, you and I, are the representatives of mankind. And this podcast is the... is You know... We're trying to make it into the podcast of record so that people know that, you know, God damn it, we're alive down here and we're fighting the fight and we're trying to live. We're we're struggling to survive like, you know, uh, you know, some sort of, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not allowed to finish the sentence for you. No, no. Um, some sort of, you know, survivors. It, survivors. That was the end we were waiting for. Survivors. Yeah. Yeah. I'm saying we're survivors. This is us struggling, and this is the, the record of our struggle. So, I, you know, for that reason, I took over the podcast. And, and is, why is it that I'm not hosting the podcast? You, you're the one who's saying, oh, we shouldn't waste energy on the podcast. You know, I'm, I'm fighting for this. I'm glad you're here with me, and I'm glad you're, you know, alive. And I'm glad that you're doing this with me. You're basically the only, you know, the only friend I have left. So I'm happy that you're here. Well, thank you. But you didn't want to record the podcast, so I pushed for it. So now, you know, I feel like that makes me the host. Well, <laughs> I mean, I think that's a bit unfair, but all right. Oh, okay. Uh, anyway, uh, where are we going with this? It's your podcast, you tell me. Well, you know, okay. Uh, what else have we been... I mean, so like like he said, uh, like we both said, I don't remember who said what. We've been uh, scavenging. Um, last time we talked, uh, what was it, like six months ago or something like that. There was still a loose infrastructure amongst us humans. Uh, I had a quote-unquote job helping to distribute supplies. Rory was, you know, doing his lie thing. Doing my lie thing? Yeah, yeah. I mean, before it was extra history, then it was history. You were just making things up. (coughs) (coughs) I take take issue with that. Well, I I don't know why. (coughs) Because I, 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 I was, you know... Well, first of all, I wasn't lying, and second of all, my ability to construct, you know, a narrative has certainly helped us since then. All right. All right. Well, I mean, so what I was saying was, uh, we, back then we all had jobs. Now we don't have jobs so much. Now we've kind of, uh, you know, they, they, they've basically, you know, broken all that up. They've, they've, they've torn all that down. They've uh, put us uh, on the run pretty much uh, 24-7. Uh, so it's all we can do to look around for food and... 
And uh, I mean, that, that takes up the bulk of our day, is looking around for food. I mean, we, if we find it, we get back together, we eat it. Um, but sometimes we don't find it, and so we just keep looking. And again, that ends up being the bulk of our day. Looking for food, looking for shelter, avoiding aliens. That's the three main tenets of, uh, of our existence. And constructing a narrative. Once in a while, okay, look. You, you want to tell them? Sure, yes. Uh, once in a while, I think he was going to say that my methods of being able to construct a narrative quickly and efficiently without, you know, much thinking or consideration has helped us when we are in conflict with other scavenging people. Um, you know, why do you have uh, so few people? Why, wh- who, who is that uh, uh, almost uh, her sweet looking person uh, in a cloak who's actually, you know, secretly two cats pretending to be a person in a cloak? Um, and, I, and I will come up with a, a quick and interesting narrative that they believe, you know, oh, that's our, you know, werewolf. Um, thankfully, the thing you came up with in the moment was better than that. Well, yes, uh, because werewolf is a little less uh, believable. But my point is my ability to quickly construct something like that, to just, to just spew a story without prompting, or, or with very little prompting, uh, did help us in many cases. Do you, know, do you want to give a specific example? Uh, yes, of course. Uh, one time, uh, a gentleman drove up in a pink Cadillac, and he said, I am looking for the king of the underworld, so that I can give him all of these sardines. Uh, do, is, is any of you the king of the underworld? And I said, yes, actually. Of course, I myself am the king of the underworld, uh, and I could use those sardines. And he said, well, of course, you don't look like the king of the underworld. Last I heard, the king of the underworld was a large red person with horns. You know, basically the devil is who I'm describing here, he said. And I said, yes, I know. But the best trick the devil ever did was to make you think that he was a big red guy with horns, when in fact he's a British person like myself, in fact, so much like myself, that it is myself. Um, So, as you can see, I am, in fact, the king of the underworld, and I uh, do need some sardines. If you don't mind, I'll take all of them. He said, yes, of course, my liege. Gave me all the sardines. I asked if there's anything, other, anything else I could do. And I said, yes, uh, if you don't mind, uh, we'd like some shelter. And we'll take your car. And so we did. We took his car and drove to shelter, and we were fine. That that, that, ne- that never happened. That was not a thing that occurred. No, no, it didn't. But that was me demonstrating my quick ability to just come up with something right on the, on, the, on the spot. So you said to give an example. I didn't have one at hand. So I just started talking and out came a perfectly good example of me being able to do the thing I was in fact doing as I gave the example of me doing it. Uh, all right. Normally, uh, in the world before, I would spend a lot of time and energy talking about why that was BS. Uh, th- thankfully... For you, I don't have that kind of energy right now, and I am leaving it to the listener to just filter out the nonsense that you dispute. Um, but thank you for for talking and taking up some time uh, in what will be a a podcast uh, record of all of the struggles of mankind. Uh, it was very important that you did that. So let's see what else we can do. Well, if I mean, if we are doing cast and wax. As it is meant to be done, we should be playing some radio series. Ah, uh, I mean, I mean, yeah, that's the that's the typical waxwork thing. But like, do you? I mean, I I I thought now that it's just catalog of all the struggles of mankind, we probably would leave that out. Well, that's not traditional, right? No, it's 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 a shift. It's a shift away from radio serials and towards 
the struggles of all mankind, as represented by us. I didn't think that's what Jordan would have wanted. Also, if you, I mean, why not call it the struggles of mankind, the podcast, rather than Gas and Wax? Well, because it's a, like if I if I start a new podcast, Struggles of Mankind, who's going to subscribe to that? Gas so and Wax already has some subscribers. Presumably, they'll listen, and then they'll find out all oh, the struggles of mankind, and then they'll go, well, you know, that's actually more interesting. That new, no, that's not. They'll they'll shut it off. They'll say, I wear my radio serials. Really, in a, in an apocalyptic wasteland, they're going to go. Oh, I got the podcast. Uh, Oh, no radio serials, forget it? Well, yes. I mean, you know, people are listening to this thinking, six months ago, Jimmy in the future uh, uh, went and, and, and that gentleman was erased from reality. What happens with that? You know, people are sitting there saying, well, Eldridge Kentwood is, 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 is dead. Uh, but, but but how do we find out when that happens? When, when does that occur? How does it occur? You know, all these things they want to know, you know. Who are you to deny them? The answers that they seek. Well, I'm a survivor of the alien invasion, is who I am. Well, right, but, you know, aren't we all? Technically, yes, we are all that, but... Uh, you were, We don't even have radio serials. Well, of course we do. I've been, I've been collecting them. You've been what? Well, Jordan had some, you know, we had found. And, you know, when, when we went to his supplies, I thought, well, I'll take them in case we find Jordan again, or if we do restart the podcast, which I didn't assume we would, but you never knew. And so I took the ones he had, and since then I found, you know, at least one other. So how many do you have? I've got, I've got four here. Four? Yes, uh, you know, uh, as I said, uh, the Eldridge Kentwood, the uh, Jimmy in the Future, the Misadventures of Peaches in Crime, and actually um, the other day we found that radio, do you remember? Yeah. When I took the liberty of uh, recording one of the broadcasts that we heard over that, that radio, and I figured, you know, we could play that. You're not talking about that Wally Russman garbage, were you? Well, yeah, that, that, it was, that was what I meant. Oh, come on. Well, at the very least, it gives a snapshot of this world, you know, how you were talking about, you know, a picture of things and whatnot, whatnot. Oh, come on. All, all right, fine. Look, fine. Let's listen to these things. What, what do you got? What do you want to put on first? What do you want to put on first? Well, let's, let's, just, let's start with Kentwood. I didn't mean. All right, all right. Here's, uh, here's Kentwood. Kentwood. Episode 10. Cannon Fodder by Jacob Thompson. Salutations, dear listeners. I'm Dr. Dan Sebago, presenting another tale from the files of Professor Eldridge Kentwood. Tonight's story is a murder case that hit rather close to my particular home, or rather my home away from home, a.k.a. work. A former student of mine, who had achieved some measure of notoriety, had been killed shortly before he was scheduled to make a personal appearance on campus. University Security Chief Doug Melligan, an enemy and rival of Professor Kentwood, appeared on my television fielding questions about the murder of Vic Beery. Mr. Beery was found at approximately 4.40 p.m., lying face down in the second floor men's bathroom in the Siegel building. There was no indication of sexual assault, and nothing appears to have been taken from the victim. We're passing such information as we have to state and local authorities. Are you working with uh, Dr. Eldridge Kentwood, the self-proclaimed master of deduction? No. We are only working with legitimate authorities, which do not include Mr. Kentwood. So Eldridge Kentwood is not a legitimate authority? Hell no. I'm as sure of that as I am sure that this killer will be brought to justice. Are you aware that Professor Kentwood has made a $50 wager that he will solve this case before you do? 
It is our policy to ignore Professor Kentwood as much as possible, and that the bets such as this cheapen human life. Furthermore, through this kind of showboating, Professor Kentwood probably causes more crimes than he stops. Very good. This has been Doug Mulligan. Thank you for your time. Intrigued by the wager, and I must admit, disturbed by a brutal crime committed in the very same bathroom in which I relieved myself at least twice daily, I contacted Professor Kentwood in his office. Of course I'm aware of the wager. Although I disapprove of gambling in theory, I cannot be faulted as it is hardly gambling when I never lose. Before you interrupted my thoughts, I was pondering on how I would spend my winnings. You sound awfully confident. As would you, if you knew that Mr. Melligan, as seems to be his hobby, has arrested the wrong man. It is a man you know well. Who? It is Patrick Cranberry, who is admittedly a lifelong enemy of mine that should be locked away on general principles. I should actually send Melligan a ham or some other small token of my appreciation. If you have a suspect, I'll do what I can to help. I don't like the idea of having to dodge crazed killers in between revising my lectures and grading papers. My current hypothesis is that the murderess is Miss Laura McGraw. I'd like you to record a conversation with this woman, but you cannot do so in person. All the inhabitants of the Siegel building understand that you are a conduit to me. That makes it sound dirty. Far from it. Your activities, on behalf of my pure, unyielding justice, are worth 500 of your tedious lectures. I never claimed to be the world's best thinker and lecturer. It's not my fault that students keep signing up for my class. Use one of your students. Exercise both speed and cautions, and get back to me as fast or faster than humanly possible. The victim, Vic Beery, was the author of the popular and long-running Sword of Silver fantasy series. I knew that one of my students had been unsuccessfully trying to hide the fact that she was reading these elephantine tomes while I was lecturing on Joyce's Ulysses. I called her to my office on the pretext that she'd done badly on my Ulysses exam. So, you want to raise my grade to an A? I'm not going to do it for nothing. I want you to do a job for me. This I need to hear. It sounds sketchy. If you are pleased with your D, so be it. Go on. You were reading the Sword of Silver series while I was drawing parallels between the one-eyed bigot who argues with Leopold Bloom and Homer's Cyclops. That's what you're talking about, huh? I could probably get a C on that test. Did you know that Vic Berry, who wrote those Swords of Silver books, got murdered? Yes, that's why I'm talking to you. I haven't read those fantasy books, of course, but the authorities are looking for someone to collect evidence. I want you to record Dr. McGraw in room 234 in the Siegel building and ask her about the novels written after the seventh book in that series. I believe that one was called Blood on the Moon. I thought you didn't read them. I just do what I'm told, kid. So do I. And I need better grades, or I'm getting sent to military, and I'm too geeky to survive boot camp. So you want me to ask about those books where Vic Berry started writing from experience? What are you talking about? He was a virgin until his books started being made into movies, and he got too rich to avoid getting laid. He started throwing sex parties, and before long his books became porn. Everything after Queen Leona's Touch is basically nothing but sex scenes. Total base breaker. I can tell I've come to the right person. Vic Beery was a lot like you. He was a bright little kid, but a total space case who had no interest in the rigors of real literature. Do I wear a wire or something? 
Naturally, it's very easy. I've done it myself plenty of times. After sending my student off, Professor Kentwood sent me to talk to Patrick Cranberry. Kentwood wanted to simultaneously show his old enemy that he owed him and ascertain what Cranberry was doing practically within stabbing distance of my tender body. Of course you can't see Patrick Cranberry. He's being held for first-degree murder. Would it make a difference if I said I came on behalf of Professor Eldridge Kentwood? It actually would. I bet my boss half my pay this week that Eldridge Kentwood would do something crazy. Cranberry's in cell 5B and you can't miss him. He's the one that's been scaring the guards. What are you doing here, you parasite? You should be on my side of the bars. In this case, our relationship is actually symbiotic. Can't you just get straight to the murder? Professor Kentwood knows you didn't do it, and he's going to exonerate you. He's solved the case, and he knows who did it. So Kentwood is doing me a favor? Murder? Murder? I said hooray. Are you deaf now as well as stupid? What were you doing on campus? I've just been in the field murdering the crops. Please repeat that, I'm sorry. Fine, as long as it means you'll leave. I was harvesting the crops that I'd planted in the spring. Circle of murder and all that. I was at the same building where Vic Beery was murdered because I was trying to murder some help for a grant that I'm trying to murder. The cops thought I seemed suspicious. Do I need to repeat myself, Murder Sebago? No, this has been enlightening. Do you want to murder me? Kentwood first, then we'll see. If Professor Kentwood was as self-interested as you think, he'd just let you rot in jail. Murder you. Back at you. On my way back to Professor Kentwood's office, I was greeted with... Shh! Ah, you're listening to... Tapes. Evidence. Silence. My God, it was porn. Nothing but sex from page 59 until 173, and that was just one single sex scene. By the time it was done, we really knew Princess Nixa, but I sure didn't get any characterization. You could have just skimmed it. I thought those books were hilarious. Yeah, but you're an ironic hipster who can't understand true wonder. Vicberry was once a fount of wonder, and I paid $24.99 for the hopes of at least 25 bucks of wonder, so I frog-marched every step through the erotic desert. If a guy jumps the shark, nobody says that you need to buy every single book. The thing is, I loved that series, and everything written personally by Vic Berry became canon. Over time, the bad would blur with the good. I can only imagine how bad his writing would get after he inevitably got to the final stage of herpes. This was a mercy killing. I don't know that that defense would hold up in court. Before I head out, would you mind signing my copy of Song of the Ice Witch? No problem. Of course you must think I killed him because otherwise this signature is worthless. Now it's like you got a copy of Imagine signed by Mark David Chapman. So you did it? I'm not going to confess in so many words. I'll just say that I'm relieved that any future slash fiction that comes out of Silververse will be just fanfic and not official canon that I have an obligation to read. Did you know that Vic Barry didn't have sex until he was 36? Of course, everyone knows that. It was written on the jacket bio of at least four books along with all the gross things he did after that. That was during the writing of Queen Liana, the transition novel when Tyro's powers became sex-based. Then we got to Master the Man, with the spell plague that killed all the ugly characters who didn't have very specific fetishes and turned the rest into sex zombies. Seriously, the last 80 pages is sex, and then the book just stops. I can't even get an agent for my novel, and this got mailed all over the world. We hipsters like book 10. Have you ever heard of the game where you try to write worse prose than Lady Aphrodisia? Another reason he had to die. Half the characters didn't even appear in that one because he was too busy showing the gods having sex. An intriguing blend of the sacred and the profane. My ass. New York Times book review. Thank God I put an end to his nonsense, even if it was at least four books too late. 
Why are all of your colleagues so much more interesting than you, Daniel? Anyway, go to Melligan. Tell him what we know and try to reason with him. And so I ventured over to the security office, where I knew myself to be most unwelcome. No, Sebago. Not on your life. Professor Kentwood knows you have the wrong man. Don't you want justice to be done? Mr. Cranberry was practically at the scene of the crime, wielding a knife and ranting about murder. I believe he was more interested in killing off myself and Professor Kentwood. Of course. Who wouldn't want to kill you? I'm still going to give my press conference. I'll say the Cranberry did it, and Kentwood can interrupt me like some jackass, and if he can provide an explanation of what actually happened to Vic Beery, then goody gumdrops. Why don't you just go along with Professor Kentwood? He'd just find some other reason to interrupt me. There's going to be a time and place when he discovers that enraging the cops is not a great way to remain happy and healthy. Along with raising my kids, waiting for that day is what I'm living for. Now get the hell out of my office. Hey, sir. Did you get the recording about the murder? What recording? The one that Dr. Sebago had me make. Did you know that Dr. Sebago had nothing to do with me and everything to do with Eldridge Kentwood? The Dr. Kentwood who's insane? That's the one. The press conference was an interesting sight, with a defiant Melligan holding forth. Uh, are there going to be more novels in Disorder Silver series? That's not my business, and probably not yours. How do you feel, Officer Melligan? Annoyed. Any real questions? There's speculation that Professor Kentwood knows who the real killer is. Professor Kentwood will field this one. Indeed. I just came here to inform the vacuous infotainment industry that once again, Professor Eldridge Kentwood has excavated the truth and kicked above the ungrateful head of Doug Melligan. The actual perpetrator is currently being taken into custody by state police. It may provide more titillation for the torpid masses than this pointless press conference. I guess we're done here. If Kenwood screwed this up, I'll be available for comment. I can be found in my office, where unless there's another murder or something, you can find me with cigarettes and some good whiskey. After the murder of my most successful student, Laura McGraw started a popular podcast from prison, in which she overreacted to popular fiction. It was notoriously difficult to tell if the program was supposed to be humorous. Melligan got drunk that day, but unfortunately, not drunk enough to be fired. My student went on to a graduate program in English. In the meantime, though we did not realize it at the time, the sands were running out for University President Roy Grackle. I'll get to that on the next episode of Kentwood. In that episode of Kentwood, Professor Eldridge Kentwood was Jacob Thompson, Dr. Daniel Sebega was Charles Berman, Doug Melligan was Daniel Schwartz, TV person was Jacob Thompson, guard was Cheska Miller, Patrick Cranberry was Bailiff Quimby, Laura McGraw was Sarah Diaz, student was Trista Hoyt, reporter one was Charles Berman, and reporter two was Charles Berman. Welcome to This Day in History on WHRW Binghamton. I'm Angela Timon, filling in for Eddie Kirchner, filling in for Rory Sinjin. On September 15, 1954, the famous picture of Marilyn Monroe laughing as her skirt is blown up by the blast of a subway vent is shot on this day during the filming of The Seven Year Itch. The scene infuriated her husband, Joe DiMaggio, who felt it was exhibitionist. The couple divorced shortly thereafter. <laughs> Oh my goodness, this wind is so windy. Marilyn, you shouldn't be doing that. It's very exhibitionist. Why are we shooting this scene in the woods? It the- gives it this whole atmosphere. You see, you've, you've got this, this this dress being blown up. And, <laughs> and, and you can see the woods in the oh, background. Just cut, some- just is this cut. for people with a forestry fetish cut, or what? Cut, cut, hey. I can't work like this. The sticks are cutting me up and I'm feeling all itchy. Uh, have you checked for ticks, honey? What? Have you checked for ticks, honey? What are those, dear? <laughs> She's not 
not even wearing a watch. Hey, Marilyn, I, I, I remember for some reason the mole being on the other side of your face. Shut up. Wait a second. That mole, it's it's moving. Oh my God, we've got dicks. Everyone uh, back to the city. Ew. If only Marilyn Monroe wasn't a slut and wore long pants in the woods, she may have prevented getting attacked by ticks. You're listening to This Day in History on WHRW Binghamton. Hey, Ange. Yeah. Have you seen Eddie around? Not in a few days. And do you know if Rory St. John's coming back? I think he's coming back soon. Hooray! But don't get ticked off yet. This is Dana DeZago bringing you the rest of the story on where are they now in history on Cast and Wax. What Miss Tymon did not tell you is that the party did indeed return to the city, but an alien race of ticks had been flying overhead, scanning for a bunch of flesh that they could abduct. And they did abduct the entire party, all of them up onto their alien ship and flew all through space and time trying to determine what flesh they could eat. And since the rest of the party was made of men who had, in fact, decided to wear pants and long sleeves that day, they decided that Marilyn was particularly tasty and they did suck all of the blood out of her flesh and give her crazy diseases that she died of when they returned her back to Earth 10,000 years later. At which point, her husband Joe DiMaggio and everyone else who had made her famous were in fact dead and the entire Earth had been taken over by bee people who stung her to death as well. And when Marilyn was gone, there was not enough sweetness in the world and they covered it all with honey and then ran away to another world where they could cover that with honey in the hopes of making the entire universe stick together in some sort of giant ball. So you should always remember, wherever there may be ticks, you should wear the appropriate clothing, which usually involves long sleeves and pants. This is Dana DeZago with Where Are They Now in History on Cast and Wax. Jimmy in the Future by Cheryl Casey. Episode 3, Jimmy the Anomaly. last episode of Jimmy in the Future, they went to the past, and they acquired Jimmy. We! We did it! What? What just happened? Who are you people? Hank! Hank! Hank, where are you? Hank! Hank! Will, where's Hank? He's... Why is he not here? We're alive! We made it! There's still dog poop on my shoe! What? Where's my teacher? My class? What did you do to me? I have a very important exam on Friday. This is fantastic. Will, you're missing the point. Where is Hank? Something is wrong. Hank should be here. I don't... I just... I don't... It'll be fine, Margaret. I'm sure Hank's off doing... I am calling the police. Oh. Him. My father is an extremely powerful man. You don't want to upset him. I don't know what your plan is, but you need to just take me back from wherever you found me. James Augustus Adler. Stop calling me that. Jimmy, then? Jimmy Augie Adler? Welcome to the future. This is not happening. I've been abducted by lunatics. Hey, now, we really didn't abduct you per se. Yes, you did. I should be in school now. I should be drawing penises on the margins of my notebooks this very second. I should not be here. Okay, fine. We abducted you. But at least we didn't kill you. That was the original plan. Oh, man. I'm going back. What? Nah, nah. We need to check out here first. Hank's not here. We need to go back and find him. He might just be right around the corner. You don't know until you check these things out. And where is he running off to? Hey, Jimmy! Leave me alone! Ah! Oh, hey, Mom, did you miss us? William, this is me time. Why are you interrupting 
me time. Huh? I don't... Hey, Mom, this is James Augustus Adler. Jimmy! Who? You know, the guy who destroyed the world? I what? William, the world is still here, obviously. Now get out of my house. What? Mom? I don't... I'm serious. This world is so overflowing with stupid people that for me to have to put up with one is just stupid. Wait, what about your other son, Mrs. B? What about Hank? You mean my smarter, less annoying son? Yeah! What kind of fantasy world do you live in, sweetheart? I was sterilized after my firstborn, just like everyone else. But- Get out! My mom just kicked us out. Hank doesn't exist. This has got to be some kind of sick joke. Why would my mom kick us out? He, he was never born. This can't be happening. This is a dream. I'm hallucinating. I'm going crazy. My mom doesn't want me. It wasn't your mom! But my mom just... That wasn't your mom. This isn't our reality. We messed things up big time, Will. We need to go back. We need to take this kid back and leave him where we found him. Then Hank will be back and your mom will be your mom. You? You're going to take me back? But what about the bomb? What about the fate of the universe? It didn't work, did it? Look around you, Will, and tell me that this is better. You don't know for certain that this is... Your brother doesn't exist and your mother disowned you over me time. The time machine works by twisting a dial, right? Turn the dial and hit the red button. You two are really taking me back? You promise? Back exactly where you found me safe and sound? Yeah, yeah, sure. So how many years ago did uh, Hank say it was? 155. We need to go back 156 to incorporate the time lapse. So we won't run into ourselves then. Wait, that's, that's not putting me back where you found me. It's close enough. Huh. I guess that'll mean there'll be two Jimmys in the timeline. Okay, so we'll go back, kidnap the earlier Jimmy, swap him with this Jimmy, problem solved. Until our past selves show up a year later and re-kidnap him. I just want to go home. Well, then we'll have to travel back into the future, but before Hank built the time machine to warn us all of this day. Wait. What's wrong with that? Nothing. I mean, it's just, well, isn't it kind of convoluted? You don't have to look. Just twist the dial and press the red button. No, Will! doing? You twisted it way too far. This isn't 156 years ago. What year is this? Next time, Jimmy in the homosexual 80s. In that episode of Jimmy in the Future, Hank was Charles Berman, James Augustus Adler was Ed Jones, Margot was Cheryl Casey, Will was Greg D'Angelo, and Mom was Julia Adams. Why can't nobody see, sir? What's up is to me, sir? The devil has run a monstrous Adventures of Peaches and Crime by Daniel Schwartz and Charles Berman. Part 2 Abigail Pins in Root of All Evil. Why, Constance Darby, there you are. <laughs> well, it is my house, my dear Miss Abigail. Abigail Pins, we met at the Summerfield party. Oh, yes, lovely to see you again. It would be, wouldn't it? I'm afraid you've arrived a bit late. It's already getting dark. Oh, I prefer the nightlife, don't you? Yes, it's just... 
I'm afraid it was a garden party. Ah, Constance, a garden isn't a tradesman. You don't just send it away when the sun goes down. Well, the garden's still here. I'm afraid it's the guests who have left. Quite foolish of them. I've only just arrived. Yes, you certainly have. I was just clearing up, actually. Oh, don't let me stop you. I shall be over here anyway. Shan't be in your way. Camilla orchids are more lovely in the moonlight, don't you find? Ah, Abigail, I hadn't realized you appreciated horticulture. Oh, gardening? Beastly. All that dirt. But the results are occasionally... Spectacular. Yes, indeed. I wish you had been there for the unveiling at noon. Constance, darling, a day is like a gentleman caller. I suppose it must be. How exactly? In the sense, dear, that it is not to be entertained until it has proven its worth by experience. It takes more than a boy with a calling card or a rising sun to get me out and about. Very droll. Although such a shame it caused you to miss the party. Hardly. Oh dear, haven't you anything else? I never drink white wine. Oh my, I had, but I'm afraid the guests drank it at the party I had earlier. Such a shame, very inconsiderate of them. Yes, inconsiderate. Ah, well, needs must. Be a dear and drink up, would you? Indeed. Your health, Abigail. And yours, Constance. Yes, my health. The doctor warned me against night air. The Camilla are quite rare, are they not? The orchids? The jewels of my gardens, yes. Acquired at great expense and debuted at a very exclusive party this afternoon. Fortunate, then, that this moment affords a meeting more exclusive still. Yes. I only regret that I had so little time to prepare for your visit, unannounced as it was. Oh, but what's to prepare, Constance? The Derby Gardens are the finest since Babylon and the very pride of the West Egg set. Well, they have acquired a certain reputation. I have been told part of the reason invitations were in such demand. And now, with the acquisition of these new orchids, that reputation is more secure than ever. It certainly seems to have extended to all sorts of people. I certainly had to tell my chauffeur where to drive. That cleaning you're doing looks awfully laborious. Are you sure you're hardy enough for the challenge? Strange as it may seem, Abigail, I find few pleasures more bracing than the tranquility after company has left. How proletarian. The Camilla orchids are really are lovely. Much nicer than that bush in front we had to park on. Which bush in front? Oh, the weedy-looking one with the orange buds grouped in threes. You parked on that bush? Oh, no. The chauffeur did. Poor dear, he can hardly see anymore, but he's been in the family so long, and I like your passion for solitude over refinement. You... you... that bush is priceless! Without a price, I can certainly imagine... And now, of course, the car will have to be refinished, but don't worry, Constance, darling. For someone who can afford these lovely orchids, I imagine no expense need be spared. Leave at once. Jenkins! Shrew. Now, hello, lovelies. I almost feel guilty stealing you away like this. But really, white wine. Barbaric. In that misadventure of peaches and crime, Abigail Pins was Julia Adams and Constance Darby was Amy Smith.
Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Poly Talk. I'm Wally Russman, and this is Poly Talk with me, Wally Russman. Tuesdays and Thursdays with Wally Russman. I'm Wally Russman here on the extraordinary transmitter, on the extraordinary transmission station. Uh, here, this is the uh, shortwave extraordinary transmission version of Poly Talk. I have got the generator running. We are broadcasting. I think we are the only people doing a radio program in the known radius, the area that I know of. Politalk is going to stay on the air, ladies and gentlemen. And I'm not going to tell you where I got the power from. Because, ladies and gentlemen, power is power means truth. And everything I say is the truth. Just by virtue of my saying it, it becomes the truth. And, ladies and gentlemen, you know that's true because I have power. You can hear me broadcasting because I have power. And am I looked on specially by our new alien masters? I hope so, because I deserve it. Aliens. Topic on everyone's mind, because they've taken over the country and destroyed our institutions. Now, you might have heard me speak ill of aliens in the past. You might have heard me say how aliens should be driven out of the country and slaughtered. Well, it might come to you as a surprise how in favor I am of these aliens, and you might ask me why. If you do, you're a fool. You should see it instantly. These aliens are not illegal. We have, right now, an invasion of completely legal aliens from outer space. They've taken over the country, they've taken over the entire world, and let me tell you, ladies and gentlemen, other countries deserve subjugation, but they have taken over the earth, imposed a new set of laws, and by that virtue have made themselves completely legal. There's no law in the alien rulebook against aliens. You can't even read it, so you can't tell me there is. And don't, don't freaking learn to read so you can read it, because that makes you an intellectual, and then you deserve to be shot. But I'll tell you, ladies and gentlemen, I haven't heard any of these aliens speaking Spanish. I haven't heard any of these aliens taking any of our jobs. I haven't even seen one working. And if you see people come into this country and not work, you know what that means about them. They're the aristocrats. They're the power. They're the people with the responsibility. And they're the people you can trust. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Hardworking Americans like you should listen to easy, not-working Americans like me and our new alien overlords. Because we have the power, we have the truth, and what we say goes. So I'd like to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, I'm not going to ask you, I'm not going to request, I'm going to tell you that me and our new alien friends are who you should be listening to in this time of crisis. And if you don't understand what they're saying, that's only because you're what is known as the working class. You have to listen to orders, not understand them. Let's go to the phones. Anyone out there who has a phone still working, feel free to call into Politalk with Wally Russman. I'm Wally Russman here on Politalk Tuesdays and Thursdays with Wally Russman. Line one, you're on the air. Hello. What are your thoughts on the new alien invasion? I'll tell you whether you're right. Howdy there, friend. Howdy. Howdy there. Uh, well, uh, the person. I, I wouldn't say I have a lot of friends. There are not a lot of people who are uh, equal to me, let alone superior. And then I wouldn't be friends with someone who's an inferior, which is probably you. Go on. Well, over here at the junkyard where I've become the king, I am the king, and I rule the junkyard, and that is how I obtained a telephone and got a radio. And I gotta say, I'm listening to your show because it's the only thing in an earthen language. I'm gonna tell you right now, asshole, that you are not the king. Wait, the I just remembered, the FCC's not here anymore. I can say whatever I want, you shit. No, you can say whatever the fuck I want, and listen to this. This is not a very f***ing productive conversation. Can I get to my point, please? We're not here to have conversation. We're here to have monologue, which you spring me to. And I'm going to tell you here, ass 
You're not the king. There's nothing less American than a king. And there's nothing less alien than another power than the aliens. So whether you're looking at the old order or the new, better imperial alien order, you are out of line, asshole. Well, listen up, Quizzling. What I gotta tell you is that, uh, I was gonna say things have been better since the aliens came over. Obviously. And they've been better for me because I didn't work before. But what I did do was I spent my time working out and hitting people. And now that there ain't laws against that no more, I can hit people and take their stuff and make a giant pile of junk and enjoy it. And sometimes people give me food and I give them something from the junk pile. Now that, ladies and gentlemen, is American. And I'll tell you, ladies and gentlemen, I want to point out, have you seen anybody since the aliens came get a social security check? Have you seen anyone since the aliens came line up at the DSS? No, it's been broken open. People just go in there and raid it and loot it. I'll tell you, ladies and gentlemen, since the aliens came, this country has had no socialism. Since the aliens came, this country has had no free handout medicine. This country has had no people sitting around getting better on the government's dime because they can't afford to fork out for their own medicine. And that country, this country, ladies and gentlemen, is better for it because the people who can't be bothered to work for their own wellness, the people who can't be bothered to work for their own food are going to die of disease and starve to death in good riddance. And that is the good that the aliens have brought. Yeah, I... I I agree with some of what you say, it's just you're personally horrible. Well, I could say the same about you. Thank you for calling. F*** you. Ass All right. This is Politalk with Wally Russman, where I'm Wally Russman and I'm right. Let's go to line two. Hello. Hello? Hello? Can anybody hear me? Yes, I can hear you while you're on the air. What is it? Hello? Hello? You're on the air. Hello? All right, ladies and gentlemen, that's an example of a deaf person who's not going to be able to survive in our new alien-led economy. And rest in peace. Goodbye. All right, let's go to line three. You're on the air. Hello. Hello? Don't you hang up on me this time, motherfucker. Go to hell. All right, let's go to line four. Hello. Play. Hey, I, I can hear you now. My phone is working. All right, then, and, and ladies and gentlemen... The way, they, the way it's going to be now with the aliens in power, the, those of us who deserve working phones will have the working phones because we can beat people off the phones that work. What have you got to say? Listen, I've got like a question. Um, so I was kind of lonely and stuff, and I was right into some like prison inmates and stuff and trying to do that. Whole, it's a site. It's called Cellmates. Get it? It's kind of cute, I think. But now that there's all these aliens and stuff, I'm kind of thinking that they're a little more boss than these guys who are in for, like, double homicide and stuff. So, I mean, and don't aliens do all the probing and things? So, like, I'm here waiting lonely, and I've got, you know, I don't know, do they do, like, the KY or do they just go raw dogging with the probes and stuff? But but I'm not hearing back from anybody. Like, should I go on rooftops? Do, do like, do an SOS on the top of your apartment building? How do you get these aliens' attentions? I'm telling you right now, you were barking up the wrong tree, but you got the right idea, lady. Prisons. I'll tell you what prisons are. Prisons are a place where we take the scum of society, the people who are the worst people on the planet, and give them free food and a free place to live. There is nothing, nothing more un-American and more socialist than prisons. And I'm glad to say that after the aliens have taken over, the, a the prisons have pretty much been bombed oh, out. Oh, the oh, oh. Prisons are all right because, you know, when there's a man who hasn't seen a lady in like five to ten with good behavior... I'm pretty popular, not gonna lie. 
Well, I can't comment. I've never taken advantage of that particular trait of society. But you know what? The prisons are closed. The prisons are closed. They're open. We're not going to be giving anyone a free ticket to jail anymore. The aliens are here, and I'll tell you, if you start, I'm I, I going to applaud you, and I consider you a hero of America, because the more people who can start interbreeding with our alien masters, the more we're going to improve the human race, improve human genes, get rid of the, the, the sort of terrible, the, 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 I don't even, the more we're going to improve the human race, get rid of the inferior human genetics that have been dogging us for how long, and the aliens are going to just the course through our species is vain. So I applaud you, and I, I wish you many successes with the jelly and lots of children. Ah, that's kinky. It's like, you know, like I'm an oil slick and you can drill, baby, drill. Come on, aliens! That's what I like to hear. Oil and aliens. Thank you for your call. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, this is Pilot Talk with Wally Russman. I'm Wally Russman on Pilot Talk, Tuesdays and Thursdays. Hell, I could go on as often as the hell I want. This is Pilot Talk with me, Wally Russman, the king of Pilot Talk, or whatever. All right, let's go to line five. Hello. Hello. Hello, you're on the air. Uh, what makes you think those aliens are legal? Um, have you read the alien laws? Uh, they don't seem legal to me. Are they constitutional? The new constitution says they're constitutional. Let me tell you something right here about government, my friend. When the government topples, we get a new government. And whatever the new government says goes. That's how law works. That's how legality works. These aliens are here. They have made the laws. And I'm telling you right now, no alien race would be freaking stupid enough to make itself illegal. Did any one of them show you a green card, huh? I'll tell you who has green cards. I'll tell you who has green cards. Insidious X. Former illegal aliens who speak Spanish. These aliens speak alienese or whatever the hell. They don't have green cards. They've got freaking green spaceships. What makes you think they're green and not two-tone? I uh, looked at them. You looked at the wrong ones. Oh. I see three over my house right now. They're definitely two-tone. I'm going to tell you right now, mister, this is not a debate I'm going to engage in. I'm here to, to, to carry out some serious political debate. I'm not going to talk about green versus two-tone. I'm not going to debate colors because I'm going to tell you right now. Colors, first of all, the people who like to come up here and say, oh, well, colors are important in society. We need to recognize people. It's mostly black people that say that. Second of all, second of all, colors, colors are totally subjective. And when we, when we get on a subjective subject, I'm just going to tell you I'm right, and I'm going to be right. I, I want to change the subject a bit. What about that, that last caller who <clears throat> talked about the alien probes, the alien probings, yeah. that kind of thing? Yeah. What are they going to start? Well, we got to ask the aliens, and if you can figure out the alienese, let me know. Thank you for calling Politalk. All right, you're listening to Politalk with Wally Russman. I'm Wally Russman on Politalk, the guy in charge of Politalk. Who's on line six? Hello. Hello, Wally? That's right, this is Wally Russman, you're on the air. Oh, good, I finally actually called myself. I've been having my secretary call for 36 hours straight now. Finally, I pick up the phone, I do it myself. Look, I'm right on the air. <laughs> I hope you're not letting her relax. <laughs> oh no, she is absolutely dead. I'm feeding her to the aliens as we speak. Speaking of feeding the aliens, that's what I'm calling you about, Wally. Okay? Now, 
As you may or may not know by the sound of my voice, my name is Steve Tippman. I'm a wealthy, wealthy businessman, okay? And since the aliens came here, they've been looking for, you know, a really good time. And, you know, me being the absolutely generous man that I am, I've been trying to keep these guys at bay by giving them a really good time. Now... You know, at first it was skeet shooting, that was really fun, you know, flying around the equator really, really fast, and let me tell you, those aliens know how to hit their G's, if you know what I mean. <laughs> oh, man, I'm funny. But then it came around to dinner time, and uh, I honestly didn't know what to feed these guys. So I started with, a, you know, a typical T-bone steak, you know, sprinkled with gold, and for some reason, these aliens just kept dropping dead and I, mean, I don't know what to feed them they just keep dying in my backyard my three football field length backyard it's starting to fill up and you know what Wally I think they're beginning to get suspicious I'm gonna tell you what Steve and I want to I just I I, I want to say this with a lot of respect because you're extremely rich and that's the kind of person we need Failing the role of the wealthy in this country. And that's but, why I called you, Wally. But, S Steve, you're doing something wrong. You're cooking with your own two hands. No, I'm not cooking with my two hands. Well, the thing is, I'm literally cooking with my servants' hands. I've been throwing my servants into the food, and they are still killing the aliens. I just don't know what to do anymore. What you need to do is stop right now, relax... Lay back, let your servants handle the cooking. That's menial work. You know, you're probably standing on your feet. You're probably sweat. You'll probably roll up your sleeves. What are you doing? Come to your senses. This is not a free-for-all. We're not just going to let all the rules of society go to waste because the aliens came. I want you to pull yourself together and stop doing menial servant work. Okay, okay. Maybe, maybe I need to take a different kind of approach here. Maybe... Maybe I can feed them orphans. There's gotta be plenty of orphans. Maybe, of course. Yeah, maybe from different kinds of uh, wealth backgrounds, somewhere they won't get missed, especially with an alien invasion. There's gotta be plenty of orphans around here. Maybe I'll try them instead. Orphans, of course. We need to get rid of as many orphans as we can. They've uh, historically done nothing but, but leech on society and take our resources because they're too young to work themselves. I need to get right on that. Maybe a little paprika. A hint of cinnamon. Hmm. This should be good. I'll serve it up with a side of broccoli and tartar sauce. Give me a call. Will do, Wally. I'll let you know how this works out. Thanks very much for taking my call. Thanks for calling, Steve. This is Politalk with Wally Russman. I'm Wally Russman, and this is Politalk. Who's on line seven? Hello, Mr. Wally, sir. Hello, it's Politalk. I'm Wally. You're on the air. I am a bit conflicted, sir. We have these new masters. And I feel inherently compelled to obey them, sirs. Of course, that's the way we should all feel. And I want to tell you right now, you got to stop feeling conflicted. Because if you're feeling, as you see, if you're out there feeling conflicted, you're a moron. Because conflicted means there's two possibilities. There's one thing and there's another thing, and you're not sure which of them is right. And I'm telling you right now, audience, you're listening to Politalk. I'm Wally Russman, and this is Politalk, and I'm telling you what's right. Me saying it makes it right. And if you're thinking, oh, man, the hell, maybe that's not right. Maybe this other thing's right. I'm conflicted. Shut up. You're wrong. I'm right. The aliens are right. Stop being conflicted.
However, I think from what I know about your show, sir, that you would agree it is important to be on the winning team, sir. Absolutely, absolutely, and that's the team we're on. The problem is, sir, that there is an inevitable uprising coming soon, sirs. And those in charge of this uprising may have a very good chance of defeating the aliens, sirs. Because, you see, they're very, very big, sir. Well, that's the thing, ladies and gentlemen. If we hear about an uprising, we need to fight to put it down. We need to make sure that nothing like this happens because our alien constitution and our alien rights are being trampled by these un-American, un-alien people who want to come in there and destroy the things that the aliens have worked so many hours to build for us. So I want to call on all of us, ladies and gentlemen, to pull together as a country, as a world, as, as each other, and stop these revolutionaries from destroying what we hold so dear about our alien way of life. And I call upon all of us to do that now. But if I follow you correctly, sir, then if the uprising succeeds, sir, then those people and their constitution will be what we should be defending. Is that correct, sir? We don't need to waste time on hypotheticals. We don't need to assume that the forces of darkness are going to win. We'll, we'll burn that bridge when we come to it. Hypothetical thinking is not literal. If it's not literal, that means it's not concrete. If we're thinking in hypothetical things, we're not thinking about what's real. We're being all sorts of sophisticated and liberal and, and academy. And we're not thinking about what things are real and actually affecting us from day to day. I say we stop thinking hypothetical and start worshipping the aliens. I understand that it is not in your nature to think about the future, Mr. Russman, sir. However, the leaders of this particular uprising think otherwise. Who are you talking to over there, Amos? No one, sir. Just a fellow on the radio, sir. There are still radio stations working? My brother and aunt and sister and cousins should come over and listen. What does this guy have to say? I'm sorry, Mr. Russman, sir. I'm going to have to cut this conversation short, sir. All right, well, thank you for calling, and this is Pilot Talk with Wally Russman. Wally Russman? Isn't he that propagandist who's in favor of the aliens? Oh, let's go to line what, uh, whatever. I, I can't count that. Uh, well, you're on the air. Hello. Um, hi. You're on the air. Pilot uh, talk with Wally Russman. Hello. Yeah, I was, uh, I was just playing with some dolls, and, and I heard some scary noises, and my, my mom, my mom said, like, to call 911 or something. So, I, I. I I got the phone, but but then I looked over and it wasn't my mom. I mean, I guess, well, it was kind of what was left of her. Like I think it was her scalp in the alien's belt, but the uh, it, it took the phone and and gave it to me and told and and now I'm talking to, to you and. And they keep talking about a, a janitor. 
like for teeth and I, I I don't know what that means. I mean, I don't think they have. Do they have teeth? I mean, they have really big hands. <laughs> well, I'll tell you right now. Your mother was inferior, and that's why she got killed. And I'll tell you the thing about nine one one. We don't call nine one one because here's what nine one one does. 911 is this phone line where we give money to people. 911 employees, the government gives money to these people to spend money and go and try to resuscitate people who are too weak and too birth, too helpless to save their own life. I'm trying to broadcast. Why? What are these noises you're making on my show? Are you making crying noises on the show when I'm trying to broadcast? Do you realize what crying noises sound? Do you realize that's one of the most annoying sounds? Like, people are programmed to respond with alarm when they hear people crying. I'm trying to do a radio show, and you've got that going on in the background? Hello? What kind of an asshole f***er are you? I, I, I don't know what they're going to do. I, I, they just keep talking about teeth and janitors. Let me tell you something about radio. Radio is a medium where we have to talk really clear so that people can understand what we're saying when we're broadcasting. Winston, tooth janitor, and I don't know what they're going to do. I, I, well, the, the, what I'm going to tell you is just trust them. Are they going to kill me? Maybe the way you're acting. They, they want me to go. I think I need to go now. All right. Thanks for your call. Uh, let's see who's on the line here. You're on the air. Pilot talk. Hello. I just heard some little <clears throat> midget dude talking about saying they were the tooth janitor. That wasn't a tooth. That wasn't the Harry Wilson I know that I've read about in the rags that I see on streets. Harry Wilson is the man who's coming. The tooth, tooth is the truth. Drop Mike out. Let me tell you about something about truth, ladies and gentlemen. Tooth is not a truth. Tooth, truth is what comes from me. I'm Wally Russman, and I know the truth. I know it because I just made it up. And I want to tell you right now, stop, stop talking about this tooth guy. Stop talking about this uh, revolution crap. Revolution is not going to get you anywhere if the revolution loses, which is going to do because the aliens are in charge. So my message to you, ladies and gentlemen, trust the aliens. They're in charge. They're not illegal. They're our lords and masters. Let's go to the phones. Who's on line 10? Silence, ladies and gentlemen, as you know, means consensus. Nobody contradicting me means everyone thinks I'm right. And everyone thinks I'm right because I f***ing am. This is Polytalk, and I'm Wally Russman. Whatever the hell I want it to be with me, Wally Russman. And I'm Wally Russman. Good night. In that episode of Politalk, Wally Russman was Charles Berman, King of the Junkyard was Jacob Thompson, Prison Dating Girl was Cheryl Casey, Constitutional Scholar was Paul Goldschmidt, Steve Titman was Jordan Randall, Bogworth was Bailiff Quimby, Rolodoto Dodo was Bailiff Quimby, Scared Little Girl was Cheryl Casey, and Ranting Man was Jacob Thompson. Yeah, okay, see, the fact that he's got power... Because he's apparently kissing up to the aliens. While we're here scrounging about. Well, he didn't say well, that. I, no, he didn't say that. But, I mean, that's he, he said he wasn't going to say that. Which implies that he's that that's a thing he could say. But that he cho- chose not to say it. So, basically, not saying it is like saying it. In that, 
case. When you say you're not saying it, then you're saying it. That actually follows. Yeah, yeah. And and here we are scrounging around. I mean, you know, what what, what does it even mean to give in to the aliens? You know, what does that even, you know, does it even make any sense? Uh, 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 oh, we're going to give in to the aliens. We're going to, uh, 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 I mean, what, let them kill us, you know? Well, we didn't, I mean, we didn't know what they want other than, you know, other than toothpaste. We don't know what it is that they are after. And don't think that they are after toothpaste because of rare earth metals, because that's not the case. No, there's no rare earth metals in toothpaste. I've always maintained this. Well, good. For once, you're, you're on the up and up. At any rate, um, you know, I, I, I guess, you know, whatever. We played some cereals, and now, uh, I mean, I don't really know what else to do uh, other than, you know, just tell you more about our suffering, I guess. I mean, there's plenty of suffering to talk about. Don't you think people are going to get sick of the suffering? You think that people are going to get tired of hearing about the suffering of people in an apocalyptic society? Yeah, I mean, yes, it's possible. Well, you know, back before the aliens uh, took over, The Walking Dead was doing pretty well on TV, so I don't know if that's that's correct. <laughs> that's different. There's zombies there. Zombies, aliens, what's the difference? Well, there's a, a number of differences between aliens and zombies. I, I would have thought that was obvious. No, I don't mean... Yes, I, I understand that actually there is a difference between aliens and zombies. I'm saying that effectively... Someone's coming. What? Someone's coming. We, we, we have got to scr- scramble, scramble, oh, scramble. Jesus. Okay, I'll, scr- I'll scramble. Uh, we'll be back. We'll be back. You can come back now, Frank, if you're out there. I know you were here. If you can hear me, come on back. What? Jordan? Yeah, that's right. It's me. What? How did you... How did... How did... How did you get to be... Are you... Are you okay? I'm great, Frank. I'm great. Really? Well, I have a bit of a cold. Uh, you know, like we all do. So, yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, I already, I already explained that to the uh, podcast. But I thought we thought we we thought you were dead. No, of course not. Yeah, we 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 we, we were sure the aliens got you. Oh, right, right. Uh, no, 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 no. The aliens got me. The aliens got me. What? The aliens got me. Uh, I'm. I'm one of them now. Wait, wait. Did you say you're one of them? You're 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 an alien? Yeah, that's that's what I said. Oh my god. You, you, know, you know what this means, don't you? Well, I mean, I yes, but I don't know what you mean by that. This is an exclusive. Frank Allen interviews. Starring Frank Allen. Welcome to Frank Allen interviews. My name is Frank Allen and uh, with me I have for what I believe is the first time interviewed on a podcast, uh, I have one of the actual aliens who have invaded this planet uh, here to talk to you and to hopefully fill us in on what uh, they're here for, why uh, why they're doing what they're doing, and also how they're doing what they're doing. Because uh, you look uh, you look like a human being. Yes, I, yeah, I do. In fact, I, in many ways, I think of myself as a human being. Now, can you explain that? Because uh, I, I again, when 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 we first saw the aliens, you were. Uh, Kind of gray, small, thin heads, and no, no teeth. Right. Yes. Uh, that's that's our or their. Uh, it's, it's complicated. That's that's their natural form. Um, what happened was uh, 
when this cold thing happened, uh, well, we all got colds. We were like, why, you know, what, what happened? Why do we all have colds? This is crazy. And we, we heard about this uh, War of the Worlds thing. And we said, oh, so they're trying to fight us through movies. That's a, a weird thing to do. But it's not a bad idea. And so we, uh, we said, well, is there anything we can learn from uh, movies about aliens? And, and, and again, by we, I mean they, because I wasn't actually uh, part of them yet. And they looked and they saw uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers. And they said, this is something we can work with. Um, you know, we've got that kind of capabilities. We can do this. Uh, so they started working on that. And uh, basically, that's where it stands. So you're saying that uh, your comrades, uh, aliens. Yeah, we're not Russian. Right, but uh, you know your your compatriots. Sure, let's say they captured Jordan and Devon, and Scape and Boo, and replaced them all with what, essentially pod people, the alien aliens that took their form and and shape and identity too. I mean, again, like I said, that's why I, I am Jordan. And um, let me let me just tell you, things are better here. Wow, I mean, come on. No, no, I, I'm serious. Like, uh, you know, it's kind of like the end of Lethal Weapon Three. You know, he's been building up to his retirement the whole time. And then in the end, it's like, no, I thought staying on would be bad, but it turns out staying on is good. And so he stays on and, and he loves it and he's happy that he's, you know, you know what I'm saying? Wait, jo- Jordan never saw Lethal Weapon 3. Well, right. Like, I, I mean, like I said, it's better. Once they've got you, things get better. I've seen it now. I know it now. I understand it now. Things are better if you become one of us. Well, why? What's so much better about it? I don't know, man. It, it's just cool. I mean... You still get colds and stuff, but you're on the winning side of this, you know, war. You know, we don't have to kill people anymore. No, you just steal their brains and memories and apparently lives. I mean, steal is steal is kind of a, a, a harsh version of it. it reappropriate. Uh, uh, basically, I mean, again, it, it takes one of yours away, but it puts it right back afterwards. Who can tell the difference? Nobody. If you didn't know you were being invaded by aliens, you wouldn't know the difference. And trust me, like I said. After it's done, everything will be better. Nobody will have to worry. So you and Devin and Scape and Boo have all been replaced? Oh, uh, no, no, no. Scape and Boo are cats. We don't do cats. So, so where are they? Well, no, they. I mean, they live with us in our in our apartment. You know, we still love them. They're they're our cats, and they can't tell the difference. Well, no, they think it's better. We give them more moist food. Well, that's. I mean, that's the easy way to convince a cat. Sure. Look, Frank. What if I told you that if you joined up with us, you would be assured to be the host of your own show? Whoa. I mean, that would be a pretty persuasive argument. Is that what I mean? Is that what you're telling me? No, I mean, but metaphorically, that's I mean, that's metaphorically what I'm telling you. Like, be, like I'm saying, like, it's better. And I know you'd like to be host of your own show, and that means it would be better for you if that was the case. So, basically, it's like I'm offering you your own show, but you're not actually offering me my own show. No, no, no. Not again, metaphorically. So, do I get an actual show or not? No, you don't get an actual show. But it's like you've got your own show. Because I'm recording it and broadcasting and people are listening to it? No. Because you get the joy and satisfaction. Basically what I'm saying is, imagine how you would feel if you got the thing you would want most. My own show. Right? You're going to get that feel without that show. Yeah, but I get the feeling because I have the show. You, yeah, that, yeah, yes, that now, that is how you work. But I'm saying you would have that... Do you not understand what I'm saying? No, I don't. I, you offered me my own show, and then you took it back. That's not what I. That's not what I did. Okay, what I'm saying is. Okay, what I'm saying is. Imagine you could get the fulfillment of your desires without your desires. I, yeah, I don't get that. Like, cut, basically, we're cutting out the middleman. It's the it's the good part of having your own show without 
actually having to have your own show. If that's not a burden to me, I want my own show. Right. No, I know. It, but it has nothing to... But you're... Okay. Well, let's put it this way, then. When you have your own show, that puts the burden of your desires on other people because you're requiring... In your desire, you are, you are secretly hiding the fact that you want other people to pay you and you want other people to watch you and you want other people to like you and you want other people to produce your show and all those things. Well, none of those people have to do that thing, but you'd still be just as happy and satisfied as if you had your own show. I don't believe that. Why? No, why? Why not? That's what I'm telling you. I'm saying you would. Well, no, because part of the part of the reason it feels so good is because people are watching it and liking it, and you know that quote unquote burden is part of what what makes it good. So it wouldn't be as good if I was just doing a show and no one actually had to produce it or watch it or, or like it. No, you're not doing a show. I'm not saying I'm going to give you a show. There's no show to be had. I'm saying that if you become an alien like me, you'll feel good. You will be happy all the time. I don't understand why you don't get this. I'm saying it is nice. It is a real nice feeling. You feel nice. You feel happy. You feel good. Like, ooh, mmm, it's warm and snuggly. This is great. It's almost like I have my own show, except all I'm doing is sitting in bed and snuggling. Oh, it's so beautiful. This is, does this pitch work on anybody? Because this doesn't sound like a good pitch. I'm new to it. So, no. I've, I mean, I've never actually converted anybody so far, but they, you know... I, uh, who was I going to convert, you know? Uh, they, they sent me to you. Look, look. All right, all right. Let me think of a better way to put this. Um, well, I mean, I, I didn't want to go there, but, like, the other option is death, right? Well, or we could keep sneaking around. You think that's going to work? It's worked so far. Uh, well, I mean, I would say, I would, I would point out it hasn't because I found you. Yeah, but that's you. You know, you're, you're not one of the aliens. I am. I, I actually am. Yeah, but you're not going to kill me. <sighs> I mean, no, I don't want to kill you, but I, you know, I, that's, it, it's like I don't want to kill a, a robber who robs my house, but I just call the police, and the police, I mean, they don't kill him either, probably, but they go to, you, you see what I'm saying, there's structures in place for this, I, I don't have to be the one to put the shackles on you and drag you to the dungeon and torture you to within an inch of your life until you finally concede to come over to, to the alien side, all I have to do is call the number and go, hey, there's a dude. I mean, it's not even a number. There's actually a special... Well, it, I, that doesn't matter. The point is, you know, death, right? Death sucks, probably. I mean, you'd know because you're dead. Well, I mean, no, I'm not dead. Okay, look, yes, technically, from a certain point of view, sort of, the Jordan you knew is dead. But, like, again, this is his brain, basically. These are his memories, basically. This is, like, essentially his same body. Same crappy teeth. Do you see this nail that he's got instead of a tooth? Like, that sucks. But I end up with that? Well, whatever, you know, that's what I end up with. Here I am. It sucks. Except, I don't want to... Okay, I'm making, I'm making it sound bad again. Uh, it doesn't suck, because it's nice, and it's warm and fuzzy, and it's like having a show. Except, okay, so, the show thing didn't work. Yeah, you are, you're spinning out of control. No, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. Okay, um... Where, what was I even talking about? That essentially you're dead. No, not essentially. Technically, I'm dead. No, I'm not. De that's the, but that's exactly it. Technically, I'm not dead. No, in all ways, I'm not dead. I'm alive. I'm a hundred percent alive. I'm a zillion million percent alive. Any any question of how alive I am, the answer is fully. Uh, 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 no one would ever say, is that guy alive? No, they would know I'm alive. They would look at me and go, look, that guy's alive. Everybody knows I'm alive. I'm alive. Who are you trying to convince? I'm not trying, I'm just, I, I'm not trying to convince anyone. I don't need to convince anyone. There's no one to convince. I'm clearly alive. No one is questioning that. Uh, the Jordan that you knew. Mm, 
it's like, yeah, I mean, like, yeah, he's kind of dead, but only kind of because, like, right after he died, a dude who thought he was that dude and remembers everything that dude remembers but is better because he's an alien started living, and that dude is me. So am I the Jordan that you recorded a bunch of podcasts with? No. Do I remember recording all those podcasts with you? Yes. Am I willing to do more podcasts with you? Yeah. Just, you know, become an alien, and then we'll be fine. Ah, well, you're forgetting something. What? What? You're forgetting about the human spirit. What? That's right. The human desire to be free and to be me. And to be an individual. And to be oneself. No, I mean, I'm not really forgetting that. Because, like, I mean, that's... To be honest with you, that's kind of part of the deal. Like, we want to be you, too. Well, no. No, I want to be me. If you you can't be me. Well, I'm technically... I'm going to be Jordan. And that's cool. Because there's a Jordan, and I get to be him. It's double. Everybody's happy. Jordan's not happy. Jordan is happy. Here he is. Hi, I'm happy. I'm happier. I'm so glad that that old me, whatever that bullshit me was... I'm so glad it's dead because, like, I'm better. You just swore Jordan would never swear. That's not true. Jordan swore all the time. Yeah, but not on the podcast. Yeah, but I, I'm, tr- I'm actually reaching out to you. I'm trying to literally convince you. I'm just trying to, you know, actually get across to you that this is for real and this is serious. Well, then you have a big question you need to answer before I can understand that. Which is what? If you're Jordan, who's that behind you? Ugh. Very funny. I'm not going to fall for that old trick. No, seriously. Look behind you. It that appears to be Jordan. Hi, hi Jordan. How's it going? I'm, I'm not going to look. I, 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 know, I know this trick. You turn around, look behind you. You, like, hit me with something or something. No, that's not what I'm doing. I'm a professional interviewer. I'm talking about behind you, coming in through the same door you came in through. There's a dude. Looks just like you. Okay, uh, guy who's behind me, uh, uh, speak up, because I'm not going to look at you. No, he's shaking his head. He, do- he doesn't want to say anything. You know what? Maybe it's Jordan Robot. Are you Jordan Robot? Oh, he's answering me very clearly, but you have to look to see whether he's nodding or shaking his head. No, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. It's a stupid trick. It's a stupid trick you're trying to pull on me. What? Why? What do you... I don't even understand why you think that. That, that guy... Are you good? Oh, you better look quick. He might leave. He's, oh, he's about to leave. Good. Then I won't know what I'm missing. It doesn't make a difference. Look, I see you... You've got like a big rock like right near your hand. What? No, I... That's just a coincidence. There's rocks everywhere. I wasn't going to touch that rock. Your hand was, like, creeping closer to it when you came up with the idea. I kind of saw you do it. No, no. You're reading this all wrong. Look, I'm serious. There's a dude. Oh, what? Okay, he's doing, like, sign language now? I don't know sign language. Well, neither do I, so there's no reason for me to look. Oh, you, you don't know it? Nope. Do not know sign language. I don't even know the sign language alphabet. I can't even do any of that. All right, well, but still, it's, it's, inter- it's a sight to see. Because there's a version of you that does apparently know it right behind you, and you might want to take a look. This is a dumb trick. It's not going to work. Oh, he's about to leave. Good. Oh, he's about... Oh. He left. You missed him. Fine. That's, you know, that's ridiculous, but that's fine. Um, uh, okay. So, that... A guy who looked just like you walked into the room, did some stuff, and left, and you didn't care. It was clearly a trick. It was clearly a trick you were trying to pull. To what end? To, like I said, to knock me out, because you're afraid of me, because you know I'm going to beat you. You're not going to beat me. Come on. I, I mean, I don't mean I'm going to physically beat you. Again, that's uncivilized. That's savage. That's not what we're about. I mean that you're going to either give in or be kind of, you know, forced to give in, but not by me, but by us as a, as a culture. Like, it's just, it's pressure, you know, societal pressure 
pushing in on you. You know, you remember how I'm always going on about like working together and like kind of a communal thing? Yeah. Well, no, I remember Jordan doing that. Right. But again, that's basically me. You remember how I always said that? That's just what it's like, man, with the aliens. I mean, not all of them, but like a bunch of them feel the same way as me. And some of them, you know, some of them feel like capitalism and like they're going to be the ones who end up like running the businesses and stuff. But the point is, what I'm trying to say is, I think you should give it a go. Just give in to the societal pressure for now. Go with the flow. Do what's better for everyone, including yourself. And Whoa, who's that hot naked chick? What? Where? <clears throat> oh, God, I thought that would never work. Okay. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, thankfully, I have, uh, I have knocked out the imposter Jordan. Uh, I, I, I obviously can't stick around much. Uh, I'm, I'm afraid he might wake up. Uh, but a, a few quick observations... Uh, before I go, uh, yes, he does look just like Jordan. I, 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 I wouldn't have been able to tell the difference. He's got the the nail in his jaw and all that. Uh, it, it, the blood that is coming from the the head wound I just caused is red blood. It it looks like human blood. I don't know uh, how I could tell the difference between this and the real Jordan. Uh, I mean, I'm not a doctor. I'm not going to you know vivisect him or anything. But like I'm just saying, generally speaking, I I I I, I have no idea how I would be able to tell the difference between the real Jordan and this Jordan. Um, oh, that makes things really difficult. That makes things really difficult. Frank, Frank, are you in there? Uh, yeah, yeah, Rory, Rory, I'm here. I'm here. Frank, uh, oh my, oh my goodness. That's, that's Jordan. Well, uh, yeah. Uh, our, our, uh, uh, it looks like Jordan, but uh, actually, let me just clarify that it's, it's actually not Jordan. It's a, it's an alien uh, uh, that has, has has taken Jordan's face and memories and uh, basically everything about him and replaced him. Ooh, ooh! I'm sorry, I I was confused. Um, are you are you still the real Frank? Yeah, yeah. Why? What, what are you? Are you the real Rory? Looking in your eyes, I see a paradise. This world that I found is too good to be true. Standing here beside you, want so much to give you this love in my heart that I'm feeling for you. Let them say we're crazy, don't care about that. Put your hand in my hand, baby, don't ever look back. Let the world around us. Just fall apart Baby we can make it if we're heart to heart And we can build this dream together Stand this strong forever Nothing's gonna stop us now And if this world runs out of lovers We'll still have each other Nothing's gonna stop us Nothing's gonna stop us now I'm so glad I found you I'm not gonna lose you Whatever it takes I will stay here with you Take it to the good times See you through the bad times Whatever it takes That's what I'm gonna do Let them say we're crazy What do they know? Put your arms around me, baby Don't ever let go Let the world around us Just fall apart Baby, we can make it If we're hard to hard Stand
problems our lovers We'll still have each other Nothing's gonna stop us Nothing's gonna stop us soon All that I need is you All that I ever need All that I wanna do Is hold you forever And ever and ever Nothing's gonna stop us now